Hello, people. It's Sunday, October 13, and we're at the International, and this is the 34th episode of The Rock Show, and today we're talking about a guy named Vern. Vincent Fernier. Vincent Fernier. Also known as Alice Cooper. Who the hell is that? Oh. Do we know who Alice Cooper is? From dead baby to chicken throwing. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) We're talking about Alice Cooper. He did it all. He did it all. So. Uh, I'm Rocker Mike, and I'm sitting here with a buddy of mine, uh, Keith Reese, I've known for about 30 years. Uh, We've done 34 episodes, and I haven't had you on yet. That's almost a, a. Big sin. I mean, yeah, like, right. I mean, what an insult. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> That's an outrage. I know this guy for so long, you know, and, and, and so much of our friendship's been based on music. So yeah. a lot of knowledge I got from you, and maybe you yeah. got a little from me, and, sure. you know, and, and we've been to a million shows together. Yeah. But um, this, uh, this episode of The Rock Show, I want to dedicate to my buddy Rick Rivets, uh, passed away in, in, in February of this year. Uh, the man was the founder of the New York Dolls, and then later on the Bratz, and the Bratz were named by Alice Cooper. So I wanted to give a, a little dedication to that. Also, we got to give a shout out to Boogie, Boogie, Boogie Liz, Boogie Liz, Mario Odessa, and Keith. You wanted to mention something? Uh, yeah, just thank you, Mike. A real quick shout out to a good friend of mine who's uh, recovering from a serious illness in the hospital, Kelly Rapnick. Um, great lady guitarist, uh, Midnight, Midnight Slider. Slider. Yeah, real good, cool little rock band. Uh, if you ever hear them, uh, great friend, and she's the one who bought me the Alice Cooper T-shirt I'm wearing today, cool. guys. So Kelly, get well soon. Get Thank well. You. Get well. Okay. And um, I need to give a shout out to the Banana Show. Oh, definitely, Zach, Zach, Zach and at the Banana, and Banana and Show Anthony. podcast. Yeah. Definitely a shout out to you guys. Check out that show. All right, uh, Alice Cooper, born February fourth, nineteen forty-eight, under the name Vincent Fernier in Detroit. Now, his father was Ether Maroney Fernier, mother was Ella, Ma- Ella May Fernier, and his father Fernier. was a minister. Fernier. Fernier. Yeah, like kind of like, is that? Is that like, like Canadian. French French, French, not French Canadian, Canadian, but some kind of French, yeah. yeah. He wasn't Canadian. Oh, yeah. But uh, his father was a minister in the, the Church of Jesus Christ, which is like an offshoot of the Mormon Church. Yo. Okay. Night Night Saints yeah. or whatever the hell they call them. Saints, right, right. <laughs> so, uh, up until. Uh, Vincent was about 11, 12 years old. He was very active in the church. Uh, but that was also the time rock and roll would come along in his life. So things would change shortly. He was a sickly kid. Yeah. Uh, sickly kid, had asthma, and had a bout of... Uh, basically, it was the weather in Detroit was bad for him. So the doctor said, listen, you know, this kid is not doing good. You got to get him to a warmer climate. So his family up, up and moved to Phoenix. Yep. All right. And uh, immediately he was doing better. Uh, when he got into high school, uh, the famous Cortez High School in Phoenix, which is mentioned a lot of times in the music. Yep. Um, he became a, uh, a track runner and a, a letterman in track, believe it or not. Um, in 1964, there was a talent show that uh, Alice wanted to uh, get involved in. And uh, it was basically for all the letterman tra- track runners. And what they decided to do was they were such Beatle freaks, him and his friends, that they wanted to do like a parody of Beatles music. And it would be, they would start a band called the Earwigs. And in high school, he was friends with uh, Glenn Buxton and Dennis Dunaway. Dunaway was in art class with him. And they were all into like, uh, you know, surrealist artists like Dolly and stuff like that. That was all... 
definitely stuff he was into as well as the Beatles, the Stones, the Yardbirds and things like that that were just coming out. Um, the band, the Earwigs, would get together for this one talent show. It was, it was Glenn Buxton on guitar, Dennis Dunaway on bass. They had a guy named John Tatum um, and a guy named John Spear. Now, being obsessed with the Beatles, what they did is they changed the words around to these Beatles songs into like track lyrics. It's corny, okay? But, you know, it's, it, it's cool. Now, um, when they did this, what they didn't expect to have happen was such a great reception. From what I understand is, is, is they just went on stage and everybody started screaming like they were the Beatles, you know? So they, you know, Alice was like, wow, I you know, want to make this keep happening. Okay, so they decided to keep the band going. And the thing was is that they really couldn't play. Only Glenn, Glenn could play guitar a little bit. Alice would eventually learn how to sing sort of in key. And uh, the rest of the guys would pick up their instruments and, and, and definitely learn, you know, something. But um, they, they would change their name to the Spiders pretty much right away. And they started to get more popular. Now, at that point, you had, let's see, it was, it was Buxton, right, on, on lead guitar. You had Dunaway on bass. Uh, got that guy Tatum on rhythm guitar, Spears on drums, and Alice singing, of course. Um, but in 1966, all the Spiders graduated from Cortez. And at that point, there would be a lineup change. That's when Michael Bruce got into the picture. And Michael Bruce was actually another jock. He was a, a football player. And he would replace John Tatum on rhythm guitar. And it was at that point they released the single, Don't Blow Your Mind. Now, this is a great garage track. I became familiar yeah. with it probably with the Nuggets collection, right? Mm -hmm. When's the first time you heard that, Keith? Oh, on uh, Cooper's own box set was the first time I heard that. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember, yeah. see, I remember like early on hearing that it was like in Nuggets and it was also covered by the Chesterfield Kings. Oh, I remember okay. hearing that a little bit before the box set. Yeah. But oh, it, was, okay. it was a big regional hit. Yeah. And it actually yeah, went yeah. to number one in, in, in Phoenix. And that was the days when you could have regional hits, you know? Um, 1967, they were starting to make trips back and forth between Phoenix and Los Angeles as the Spiders. They were playing gigs in L.A. Uh, they were covering, uh, they had their own material, but they were also covering uh, Yardbirds, Stones, stuff like that. And the Beatles. Beatles, too. Yeah, I think they dropped some of the Beatles from the set. They were into, like, heavier things at that point. Yeah, because that Beatle thing was very, very not good. Well, well, it was a joke at first. The Beatles cover band. Who the hell would want to do that to themselves? Well, they changed, hold my the, hand they changed the words around to be about I wanna, track. I want to burn your hands. <laughs> they, they were kind of like they were kind of like Max Sabbath in a way. They oh, were yeah? changing the words around, you know, to do something else. So another change would come in '67. They decided to change their name to the Naz, and that wouldn't last too long. Uh, they would release one single called "Wonder Who's Loving Her Now," and uh, there was a B side of that would be a future Alice Cooper song called uh, "Lay Down and Die Goodbye." which would make it make, uh, I believe, the Easy Action album eventually. Yeah. Um, Neil Smith would replace John Spear on drums, and that's the core of the band right there. Yeah, that's the classic okay. lineup. The classic lineup. Um, 1968, they found out that Todd Rundgren had a band called The Naz. Mm -hmm. So you can't have two bands named The Naz, right. so they had to change it again. Yeah, I think and Todd had the copyright. So. I think he did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And they had no choice. Yeah, you know, they were kind of up in the air. What are we going to call it? And they decided on Alice Cooper. Now, there's a lot of stories with this, how they came up with the name. They've changed it over the years. But what they liked about the word 
the words, the name Alice Cooper, is it sounded kind of like innocent but also scary, like Baby Jane, yeah. Lizzie Borden, right? You know, Alice, Alice Cooper. Cooper. <laughs> you know, like sound like somebody like a little pretty little girl with an axe behind her yeah. back. Yeah. That's what that's what Alice always yeah. said. Now then, there's the story of the Ouija board. Oh okay. yeah, I heard that one. Uh, where they all supposedly sat in front of a Ouija board. And, you know, they asked the Ouija board when Alice was doing it, you know, what, what did you ever live a past life? And who, what was your name? You know, and it said yes, and your name was Alice Cooper. You were a witch in England and all that. That's what the Ouija board said. Who knows? Okay. Yeah. I mean, now, Alice had a habit of that. Other band members have said that, you know, he tells the story differently every time he does an interview. But he does it on purpose. Yeah. yeah. I think to just yeah. mislead you. And also just to make it entertaining. Yeah, you know? exactly. You never know what he's going to say. Yeah. So what they, what Alice was interested in doing, and uh, remember at this point, Alice Cooper was really just a band. It was him also, okay, because they just needed to have that front man. Yeah. But what he wanted to do was create a rock and roll villain, basically. And he said, you know, we have this whole stage, not just, you know, whole, all this room on the stage. Let me ask you, yeah. was him and Kiss around the same time? Before. So he, Kiss probably got some of the influence of the makeup. Absolutely. Because Kiss, of, because no, of, Kiss, Kiss's idea was we're going to be, you know, four Alice Coopers, basically. Yeah. That was the idea. But they were more like, they looked more they like more, superheroes. They were more like, like comic book characters. Yeah, comic book yeah. and superheroes. It, yeah. it was a different vibe with Kiss. Um, to be honest with you, when I was a kid, I loved Kiss. Okay, I was in the Kiss Army fan club and all that stuff. I thought they were great. Something about Alice Cooper creeped me out. As, yeah. a, as a young he kid. He was scarier. He was, he was scarier. He was, he was, he was, right, he was yeah. scarier. There was something like, this guy's weird, you know what I mean? For the time. But you know, you know what? There, nothing, there but, were people calling his dad saying, your fucking son is a devil worshiper. Yeah, well, because <laughs> like, even in the, in the early years with the Naz and, and the Spiders, uh, he was still going to church. He was still somewhat yeah. active. Not as much, but it was still part of his life. Yeah. Um, and Mormons tend to be in your shit. Yeah. Okay, that's a whole other thing. But uh, he wanted to create this... Well, they all did. They wanted to create a gimmick. And they were influenced by things like Betty Davis and whatever happened to Baby Jane. The smeared makeup in that yeah. movie that she's wearing. Um, even Anita Pollenberg's character, the great tr- great tyrant in uh, Barbarella. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> she's got like leather gloves on with knives in them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was all coming you know coming together with an idea and West Side Story was a big influence the Sharks and the Jets that would yeah. play out in their music um, even Emma Peel from the Avengers mm-hmm. was, yeah. was an influence yeah. the leather outfit and yeah. everything you know um, it was all coming together to, to be part of the band now at this point again just to emphasize this was the classic lineup of Alice on vocals Glenn Buxton on lead guitar Michael Bruce on rhythm Dennis Dunaway on bass and the Platinum God Blonde, Neil Smith on drums. Yeah. Okay. Now, again, they were all jocks. These guys were not yeah. like, you know, no. weirdos or anything like they that. They, they were like jocks and art students. And they were, they were interested in things like Dolly. And that would all influence the show. You know, when they changed their name to Isaac, people were actually, they were so bad, people would leave it in the middle of the show. They yeah. were just well, getting the, the fuck is, out of there. This, this <laughs> was the time. Because it was so shocking. The this, shit this, they was, this was 68. This was the hippie generation. Yeah. This was the love generation. And they were the antithesis They were, the of ant- that. They were, they yeah, were I mean, not the lovers. The, hip, the, hip, the hippies hated them, okay? And it actually became a thing when they would do shows in Los Angeles for people to walk out. They pay, yeah. they pay for the ticket and leave. 
That's what, I think that's what Frank Zappa Frank Zappa heard about these guys. Yeah. You know, hey, that's the kind of people I'm on the side. Yeah, yeah. They're making people yeah. He was impressed. In 68, they were they had a a regular gig at the Cheetah Club, which was in Venice, California. Yeah. And it became a thing. Just people would walk out. But they used to open for the Doors yeah. and other bands. And uh, but they came, Alex came down here too because he did. They did on Max's. Uh, they eventually City. were not at that point. I think by the Love It to Death album. Yeah, Love 70, It to Death. Yeah, 70, yeah. 70, yeah. yeah. Then they would, he talks about how he went down yeah. here a few yeah. times. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it was at the Cheetah that a manager named uh, Shep Gordon would run into them, and uh, basically he was he was impressed because the, the the club cleared out in only ten minutes of them playing. And he said, and it just impressed him. Okay, and he said, you know what? I got connections. I'm going to connect you with with Frank Zappa, because Zappa has this new record label now called Straight Records, yeah. and he wants to get bands on, sign bands. So, uh, you know, the, the the word came out, and, and Zappa was like, sure, you know, well, I'll see them. Come down at seven tomorrow. Now. Unfortunately, there was a miscommunication, a misunderstanding, and the band thought he meant seven o'clock in the morning. Okay, so if you could picture this, all right, seven o'clock, <laughs> seven o'clock. Now, now, uh, Zappa lived in a log cabin, okay, in, in California, and he, you know, the band shows up in a van, all the equipment, in costume, at seven o'clock in the morning. They knock on the door. Somebody lets them in and they start playing and Zappa comes down in his bathrobe and a cup of coffee like what the fuck what the fuck is going on right and no I meant seven o'clock at night you idiots idiots. (laughs) (laughs) so So these motherfuckers not only not only is that just funny in itself but just think about listening to that early Alice Cooper stuff at seven o'clock in the morning in your bathrobe with you know he he signed them on the spot he said you guys are just too fucking crazy I have to have (laughs) it you gotta have it yeah you know um, that got to be impressive. It was. It was. It showed. I mean, because they, they were, in, in some ways, they were totally square. You know, they weren't like drug addicts. They weren't. I mean, I don't even think Cooper had like done acid or anything at no, that point. No, And, and some know? of it was ec- economic, too, because yeah. like they were so poor. But totally. he said they always had like money to get like a quart of Budweiser beer. So That's all they had. Yeah. yeah. So they, they drank a lot because that's all they could afford to, to get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Um once they got signed to Straight Records, uh, it would be for three albums they were going to put out. Yep. The first one would be called Pretties For You. That was and a shit album. Well, It was distorted. It sounded it, like it, shit. It, have you ever listened to it? I have yeah, heard it. It sounded like shit. It's a difficult album. It, I, I won't go to, as far as to say it's shit. It's just kind of like all over the place and interesting, but it's hard to listen they to. They did some stuff that was live, sometimes was taped, sometimes it was distorted. It was like all yeah. over the place. It, it wasn't like... It wasn't really coherent. No. Yeah. No. Songs were But I think really that was intentional. Together. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what Frank that's, Zappa that's wanted. That, I think that's yeah. what Frank Zappa wanted to get the vibe of being in a Addis Cooper concert. Let me give it an album well, that's, that's all he, fucked up. He actually up. said that. He said, you I know? want to... I want, you know, you, the thing with what you do, Zappa's core to the saying, is that you guys... Do this crazy shit, but could, it could actually be played live. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you know, and and like songs like Levity Ball. Yeah. And Reflected, they used to do. You can listen to that stuff, the live versions of that stuff, it and it's pretty like much that. like yeah. the album. Like the know? album, yeah. I remember early days of MTV when they would play anything, and I already knew who Alice Cooper was at that point. Uh, they would play um, Reflected. There's a weird promo for it. And uh, yeah, I've seen that. yeah, and it's just like holy shit, that's Alice Cooper. Like it looks like him, but it doesn't. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. So 
Uh, that album was a total commercial failure. Oh yeah, total commercial. It had a it had a Dada esque uh, artwork as the cover. Yeah. Okay, it totally bombed. It did crack the top two hundred. I think it got to like one ninety eight or something you, you like that. You know what's funny? There was a guy. They interview a guy. He say, "Just like going to a fucking uh, Adams Cooper show, I had to fucking turn that album off after two <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, He was like, "I couldn't listen to ten minutes yeah. of this crap." Yeah. And the, the reviews were lukewarm at best. Yeah, know, Rolling Stone, which was Lester Bangs killed it. Yeah. Lester Bangs yeah. killed it, and he was definitely uh, you know a word that you would listen it, to it, in those days. He, cream, he cream changed his tone towards him later on. Oh, yeah, he yeah. would. Well, they would change. Yeah. Um, 1970, they released a second album called Easy Action. Now, this is a pivotal album. It was even more of a commercial failure, okay? And they pretty much were were done with the West Coast at this point. They, you know, they, they, they couldn't play gigs. People were walking out. It wasn't going anywhere. Um and it was at this time that they would end up moving back to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Now, in August of 1970, they would play the Strawberry Fields Festival in Toronto. Shep That's Gordon. a total peace festival. Yeah, Shep Gordon got them the gig, and part of the stipulation of being on the bill was they had to go on right before John Lennon. John, <laughs> Lennon, John Lennon was on that bill. Oh, they boy. had John Lennon and Yoko Ono, I think. I think it might have been the Plastic Ono band. Yes. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, okay, yes. okay. Yeah, I think they were playing together. So Cooper goes on stage, and the band is, is doing basically the first two albums, The Pretties For You and Easy Action. And uh, this is the show where he's, he's down on his, squatting down on the stage, and he's playing, and he's singing into the mic, and someone throws a cake at his face from the audience. <laughs> Now, I'll let you tell some of this, okay? What happened next with this? Well, yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, if I can correct you, I think that's the, the, the Cincinnati Pop Festival. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. You were yeah, right. I yeah. misspoke there. That was the Cincinnati Pop Festival yeah, that, that he got the cake. a little bit later on. A little the, bit later the stro- on. The Strawberry Fields one was the one with the pillows. Yeah. Right. Oh, the pillow, I'm sorry. Yeah. I made a mistake. Yeah, yes. yeah the pillow fight. Well, that was like the Toronto yes. Festival. Yes. So what apparently happened is there's... There's a part in their show towards the end where they have a bunch of fans going and they take these pillows right. and they start waving the pillows around right. and feathers fly all feather over pillows. the place. You yep. know? It's kind of their grand finale. It's it getting like feathers snow. all over. Yeah, yeah, that, so it's like it's snowing. Is yeah. that the one where they threw the chicken on yes. stage? Yeah. I'm about to get to that. I'm about to get to that. Okay. So, towards, so at the end of the set, the pillows, the feathers are flying all over the place. Right. And somebody apparently throws a chicken onto the stage. A live yeah. chicken. Yeah. A live chicken. And an Alice Cooper so, concert. Yeah, so it's like, what, what are we supposed to do with this? So they just, uh, Alice Cooper picks up the bird and he just throws it back he into the audience. He thought it could fly. Yeah. He, he, didn't, thought, know. he, he didn't know chickens, chickens can't fly. Can fly. <laughs> so the crowd gets this. They're in a lather from all of that's going on. The rock and roll, the feathers flying. And they start ripping this chicken apart. To pieces. And throwing it back on the stage. So it's all just chicken so, Alice and the band, they're like, okay, we'll just throw it right back at you. (laughs) So somehow the story gets distorted to where Alice kills live chicken on stage. They'd say that in in the news article the next day. So it's absolute outrage over this. 
Pete Townsend put a line in a, a Who song about it because he was outraged. Yes. The, there were bands killing chickens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, know, you know millions who, of chickens you know are killed every day. Nobody says it. it. No, yeah. his yeah. manager did. His manager confessed to push, put, why not put oh, a really? chicken up there after the pit of fight? He puts the chicken, the chicken on, the on the stage. Oh, <laughs> where did he get a live chicken? <laughs> no, but he said we got Toronto, a live chicken. Right? Yeah, yeah, somewhere. So what happened is is that Alice reads about this and he's all distraught. He's like, oh, our career is going to be ruined. Because we killed a chicken. Yeah, because we killed a friggin' chicken. In front of a bunch and he of calls, He calls Frank Zappa and, uh, you know, Zappa's like, no, this is great publicity. Don't deny it. Don't deny that you killed the chicken. Yeah. So yeah. for years... Alice was known as the chicken killer. Yep. Even though it's not actually even, what even though the audience did. <laughs> but that didn't, but it's make, a great story. that didn't give it a bad rep. You know, people were... No, it, it made, made them more popular. It made them more popular. It, 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 it made them more the popular. Whole, what Mike you was saying. The old saying, there's, a, there's always there's a saying, only worry when they stop talking. There's never right, a bad exactly. publicity. There's no such thing as bad press. Nope. Yeah. No nope. bad yep. press. Yep. So it helped keep his name in the public eye for what happens next. Yeah, exactly. Now this move to Detroit that they did, all right, right when they oh, left shit. when they left California, they moved to Detroit, and they were received very well by the Detroit fans, mm -hmm. uh, which worked out good for them because they were about to make a big move here. And in the fall of uh, 1970, they were introduced to producer Bob Ezrin, and Bob. Um, hit it off with them right away and wanted to kind of cultivate what they were doing into something that could be a hit. Now they had this two albums under their belt. They had this reputation as chicken killers. Okay. They had the costumes, they had the look, but they didn't quite have the sound. The idea was there, but the sound quite wasn't there. And what he did was he basically would take Alice, for instance, the song Ballad of Dwight Fry. Okay. That's a great song. Yeah, which he still does to this day. Uh, the Ballad of Dwight Fry is the live. He does it in the straitjacket and pulls out, pulls out of it and all that. But to get the, the, the way Ezrin heard it in his mind was he actually put Alice under a table, made him sit on a floor, and put these mirrors around him. And when he's singing like, you know, I got to get out of here, I got to get out of here, I got to get... He had like this claustrophobic feeling so it carried over into the song oh shit. okay and when you listen to it it's it's maniacal yeah he's, he's it is screaming he's screaming into the you know the whole thing um, it was a of like course a the, right the love it to death album would be released in uh in in 19 uh late 70 by early 71 the song i'm 18 was becoming a big hit. It was a national. It was like the anthem yeah, for yeah. It was an anthem for them, uh, for, for teenagers. It got to number twenty-one on the Billboard Hot One Hundred by early seventy-one, and they got the attention of Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers bought out the remainder of the contract. That was technically the third album with Straight, so they really. I don't think there were any other albums do, but whatever problems with the contract got worked out by Warner's, and said that, uh, you know, we'll pick you up and cover you. Ballad of Dwight Fry, okay, uh, Caught in a Dream is another song. They did a cover of Sunrise, Sun Arise, they ended the album with that, that's a great track. 
Um, What's Dead Baby on this? No, that's the next album. Next album. Okay. That's the, the album itself got to number 35 in 1971. So this album was actually a commercial It was a commercial success. hit. Yeah. It was a commercial yeah. hit. I think it was the first one that they it actually had. had. Yeah, oh yeah, because the other two just scratched the surface. But they then had. the other two got popular too. Once you get one, then people look back to try to hear you know your what, old you stuff. You know what? I don't think so. You don't think so? Not so much in this case, right? No. People no, didn't go back. Never, and, I don't think they ever you know, got you, popular. You know, you know what happened? Because once Love It To Death came out, they That's dropped it. all that shit. Oh, they, they, they didn't play those songs anymore. I, mean, I don't think they did. No, no, yeah. I think they. They, they, were, they were bad then. Because okay. it, it was bad. just, it was just kind of like a test, a, a baby stage yeah. for them. You know what I mean? It was now, now they were like big boys. They weren't going to do this. They won't do shit. this fucking pop you know? shit. Now the live show in '71 would changed as well. They 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 started having like glam rock clothing. Um, Alice was was being executed in a mock uh, electric chair every night. Okay, they, they they you know it was like how about the one with the fucking the guillotine? Yeah, that's that's coming <laughs> that's soon. That, that would be his whole thing. Um, they would pretend to break like they drop their instruments and fight each other on stage. Okay, in these mock fightings, uh, they toured Europe for the first time in '71 and was such a hit that uh, Elton John and David Bowie actually went to check them out a couple of times. Wow, yeah. Uh, and it was at that point after the tour that Warner Brothers gave them a, a multi-album contract when wow. they came back from Europe. They would release another album, same year. I mean, these guys were prolific. Okay, yeah, they late would take by it the, out. Know, late 71, they put out the next album called Killer. Uh, that's a classic. You got Under My Wheels on there, Be My Lover, Halo of, of Flies which would actually be a top 10 hit about three years later in Holland, of all places. <laughs> and it's a weird fucking song to be a single, yeah, you know? Yeah. Halo of Flies. Now, this album was great. It came with a poster inside of, of Alice being hung with a noose, okay? <laughs> and uh, that was when they first brought the, uh, the snake, the boa constricted yeah. snake into I the I remember show. seeing this poster, and uh, they had it for years in Tower Records on yeah. Yes, Broadway. I remember that. Yeah. They had a, it was framed, and it was yep. the yep. Alice Cooper famous with a yeah. noose around its and, neck. Yep. And, I, and I got a quick story about that, sure. because you were talking about how Alice Cooper freaked you out a little bit as a kid. Yeah. He was very scary to me, too. Um, I had an older sister, five years older than me. Right. I uh, was a big fan uh, of the Killer album. I used to hear her playing it in her room all the time. Right. And she put... There was a poster in there of Alice being hung. That's the poster yeah. he's referring to as in Tower Records. Yeah. A real creepy thing because I was like, what, like six years old at the time or something? Yeah. And it freaked me out so much that I'd tear the poster off the wall because it scared me so much. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what he was like. He was like the first guy that brought like fear rock. He was almost yeah. like a screaming Jay Hawkins guy. You yeah. know? Oh, it was definitely, fear, definitely. Because I, mean, I could see him getting a lot of infant from screaming Jay Hawkins and, I think and so. Lord Such, right? I, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I think more Lord Such. Because Lord Such had that that British rock and roll, he was you know, creepy. you know, kind of, you know. But I'm talking about the music, yeah. From the music level, I would say he was more into Lord Such than than uh, than Screaming Jay, but definitely influenced by. But Bob. he was creepy though. Lord yeah. Such was creepy Lord too. Such was with creepy. a fucking hockey, with with he the, did Jack, Jack the, the Ripper, Ripper and shit and fucking yeah. tearing apart a body yeah. on stage. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit! Yeah. Now, you know, again, being prolific, the the band had a lot of music to record, and in the summer of '72, they released School's Out. And this would be the anthem. The, yep. the, everybody to this day knows the original lineup. Yeah. Okay, uh, you hear it every year in June when school's coming out. What do you and, think of that album? Could some people schools out. Schools out is not my favorite of of the original band, uh, but it's not a bad album. It, it, it's it's 
a little bit all over the place. Yeah. It's got jazz influences and stuff, right, but it's right. an it's it's a concept album in a way. Yeah, it's almost like about being a fuck up in school. Yeah, okay, yeah. and that's yeah. really you know they're talking about messing with the teachers yeah. and all that. You know. So Keith, I want to tell you. So me, when I was in grade school, mm-hmm. I was like in sixth grade, right? I fucking brought in a boombox. Right, the last day of school, I break into the prison office, lock myself in, go into the PA, <laughs> and I fucking put school schools out for summer. Had a school bird, and the fucking awesome. people are breaking the door, and I'm there, and all the kids are like, "Yeah!" That's crazy. And I'm fucking putting schools out for summer, for summer, and everybody's losing their fucking mind. It cost me a week suspension next year, so I had an extra it week off. Carried yeah. over. Carried over to next year. It was great. Yeah, it's totally worth it, though. Yeah, it's totally worth it. But after that, everybody, hey, Rossi, what's up, man? Hey, school's out. I just fucking, like, fuck these motherfuckers, man. Awesome. All right, so School's Out would bring them their first number one. It would be in the UK, okay? Uh, The album got to number two in the charts here. Uh, But the band at that point would relocate to Connecticut. They had a big mansion in Greenwich that they were operating out of. And this is the time they started going to Max's okay. more often, okay? Because they were close. So yeah. they, were, they were traveling back and forth between Connecticut, doing shows at Max's, hanging out at Max's. But they probably did out. that to get the New York vibe, the oh, New yeah. York scene. No, they, they, they were very, there, was, there was pictures. I mean, you could see them in old Cream magazines. Alice hanging out in New York wearing a Rangers jersey. Yeah. He, he had a New York vibe through the 70s. It's he the same reason why uh, Mark Twain moved to uh, Connecticut back in the day because... All the print shops were done there. All the printers mm-hmm. were done in yeah, Connecticut, so he yeah, wanted to sure. print his books. And yeah, yeah. He lived the longest red city he ever had was in <coughs> Connecticut. Now, what was happening at this time, too, is that parents were starting to freak out pretty much over these live shows. Uh, in England, they were slightly more popular than they were here. And what was happening was, like, Parliament was starting to take notice about these outrageous shows. <laughs> and they tried... Parliament, you know, these stodgy old Brits, yeah. they, they, they tried to ban the, the band. Okay, yeah. wouldn't let them come. Uh, they tried to ban the music. It, it, it didn't go anywhere because they really... I mean, the early punks, guys like Johnny Lydon, were all big Alice Cooper fans. Mm-hmm. And there yep. was, that was only a few years away from starting. Even yep. the Ramones were... Of course. Yeah, of course. Them. Yeah, Joe Ramone was a huge Alice Cooper fan. Um, in one of the documentaries, I saw they were all talking about Alice Cooper. What he mean? They had like Joey Ramone. They had like they had like a bunch yeah. of cats. You know who people. was a huge Cooper fan? Stiff Betas mm-hmm. from the Dead Boys, Lords of yeah, New Church. Yeah. I mean, he he got a lot of 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 his his front man attitude from from Cooper. I was watching behind the music uh, VH1. Somebody put on YouTube, yeah. and it's about Alice Cooper. The thing, and uh, the commercial of Free Enterprise comes on about. William Shatner, some guys meet, hey, yeah. that's like meeting God, meeting William Shatner. <laughs> so I forgot about that movie. Oh, but they were doing the addicts. Um, it was With a Wayne's, movie. Wayne's World, right? Yeah, yeah some, it yeah. was fucking funny, when, when, man. When they, when, they, when they meet Alice backstage and, and they're like, I'm not worthy. I'm not, I'm not worthy. worthy. We're not, we're worthy. not worthy. Oh, and and he puts his hand out to kiss the ring. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Okay, well, so, you know, February of 73, they would release yet another album called Billion Dollar Babies. And this would get them their first number one in the United States and the UK at the same time. There was a promo video that was released that year for the song Elected, which was like a spoof on 
politics and stuff. They were also making fun of themselves by them calling some million dollar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. You know, in Billion Dollar Babies, the title track, they would get the British singer Donovan to do backups on. Fuck that motherfucker. Yeah, I know. He was popular at the time. Slapdick. Slapdick motherfucker. You had the track No More Mr. Nice Guy. I love that song. Excellent classic, yeah. All right. Unfinished Sweet, which was about getting your teeth pulled out yeah. at the dentist yep. and there was an actual uh, the, the live show they actually would bring out a, a dentist a guy that was a crazy looking dentist with like you know a mirror on his head and you know like all the tools <laughs> and he had a gigantic drill that was like you know huge mm-hmm. and Alice would be in the chair and this drill would be in his face <laughs> spinning around you're like and he'd be like oh. Yeah. Right. It would also be like a large dancing tooth. Dancing tooth that, that he would brush. Would chase around. He, right? he, he, he would that's what, yeah, yeah, Alice had a giant toothbrush and he was chasing this giant tooth Fucking around. Great. Oh, I mean, you Fucking know, great. That's incredible, you know. <laughs> So visually, funny. visually, when you saw his show, it was like a, it was almost like going to a fucking opera. Yeah, yeah. Like, or like not a play, because it was a play. It was well, like yeah. it was, it was all about using the whole stage for even their when, advantage. Even you know? after he broke up with the band, he did even bigger fucking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He would, he would take that to uh, other levels. It, it was yeah. almost like a Broadway show with women dancing. Yep. He fucking doing the whole thing like the Fred Astaire thing. It was yeah. like holy now, shit. With, with, with billion dollar babies, now they were really riding on top of the world. Parents were freaking out on both sides of the Atlantic. Um, and the problem was the band was starting to drift apart. There was starting to be some kind of resentments. I think the band felt that Alice himself was getting too much attention. Yeah. Um, also, they wanted the band wanted to get away from the theatrics a little bit. And yeah. More of just a band. Yeah. And Alice was like, no, I want more I want theatrics. More. <laughs> you know, and so they were starting to drift apart. And the, the touring they did constantly yeah, was catching the guys, up on them. Two of the guys yeah. were just like, we ain't doing this no more and just yeah. pretty much quit. Well, they, they, they wanted to make one more album. Yeah. Um, and that would be Muscle of Love. And that would be released in November of 73. Now, it was intentionally a less commercial album, more musically oriented. Uh, I actually like the album, yeah. it, but but it's it. I actually like it better than School's Out in some ways. Okay. You know, uh, some ways. I go back and forth. It's but, more of a straight ahead rock yeah. album. There's not as much frills on it, and I yeah. think because Bob Ezrin, who produced all of the, those albums, any, he didn't have anything. To yeah, do he didn't have as much influence by that point. Yeah. And he, he, yeah, you know, tracks out. like tracks like uh, well, the title track is great, "Muscle Love." Uh, they had one song on there that they were trying to get into the James Bond movie, "Man with the Golden Gun." Yep, right. Uh, it was that. It was called "Man with the Golden Gun." They tried to get it in there and they, they got rejected, but it made the album. Um, then my favorite on there is like "Hard Hearted Alice." Yeah, I think that's such a great like yeah, ballad I, I, type it, teenage a, lament. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And "Hard Hearted Alice" is a great song because it's a very confessional song. Yes, about the struggles of maintaining the image and the character and you know how tough that is balancing out a character and trying to be your own person because yeah. people expected him to be Alice Cooper all the 20, time 24-7 yeah. he, he, well, he wasn't Vincent anymore but he got to the yeah. point that he got lo- lost yeah. he got yeah. lost he, 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 would, he would lose himself and Hard Hearted Alice is, is kind of about that early on but he would go way tilt the other way <laughs> bad for him for a long time yeah. um Actually, one thing very few people know too is is Glenn Buxton at that time was very sick. He was drug addicted, alcohol addicted. He hardly plays on that album, okay. Yeah. But he gets the full credit. And okay. actually, the guy who played guitar was Dick Wagner. 
Wow. That's when they yeah. got they first got introduced to him, and Dick would follow Alice, you know, into the solo career and play with the uh, play with him off and on. And Mick yeah. Mashbeer also yes did some yes, playing as true. well as some playing live with them with them. Yeah, I think Glenn was on stage, but they had him yeah. backstage and he was doing backstage some parts. playing because yeah, Glenn was, was having trouble playing because he, he was just sick. You know, yeah, he was bad shape. He had like a pancreatitis or something. You know, his pancreas got bad yeah. from years of drinking and drugging. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Now. The band was was really in it. The original lineup was 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 done. Basically, yeah. they knew that was it. And the final shows would be in Brazil between March and April of '74. But even then, they were riding high. They were playing in front of 150,000 people yep. per show in Brazil. Um, that would be the end of the uh, the original band. Okay, but Alice would legally take the name Alice, Alice Cooper, Cooper, right? And that would become him. And he would go solo in 1975. And he would be um, reunited with, with Bob Ezrin again. And uh, they would make the album Welcome to My Night. Now, yeah, I'm going to talk about a few solo albums here just because we don't have a whole lot of time to get into it. But this was when I, as a kid, really became familiar with, with Alice. Uh, the, solo, the solo album got a lot of hype. And uh, they had like that that Channel Seven special, yeah, and all TV that. special, which yeah. I saw as yeah. a kid. Yeah, and that scared the shit out of me. I remember being on yeah. Channel Seven at Halloween, yep. and yeah, Vincent Price that. was in it and everything. And and as a kid, I was like, oh my god. This How is about him out. on the Muppets? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Alice through the seventies would would do this thing where he would try to interject himself into weird places, and it would be on purpose. You know, like he was on the Hollywood Squares a couple yep. of times. He was playing golf with Bob Hope. But he loved golf. And he still does. And he's a good golfer. He is a very good golfer. good golfer. How are we doing with time? Yeah. Oh, man, it's Bloody Mary's good, Rob. Yeah. Oh, we're awesome, doing good. Dude. We're doing good. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Um, you know, Welcome to My Nightmare would be a breakout hit for him. And he gambled everything on it, basically. He would, like... Uh, Put all the money they had into this show, and it did pay off. Yeah, you know. Um, now, after "Welcome to My Nightmare," what's your what's your favorite stuff going forward? Oh, jeez. Uh, you know, I, I thought that the, the the kind of sequel to that "Go to Hell," though it has like a few good songs, yeah, um, wasn't the greatest thing in the world. But uh, the title track's great. Yeah, I, uh, the yeah. rest of it's kind of shaky. Yeah, because because what happens is that. His drinking really starts getting out of control at this point. Right. And it's getting harder and harder for him to do albums and to tour and yeah. things of that nature. Keep it going. And he eventually has to go into rehab, which didn't exist as rehab exists no. today. No. So he basically went to a large psychiatric hospital, which right. was pretty traumatic. Right. But he was able to channel that into what my favorite post-Welcome to the Nightmare from album is, is From the Inside. Yeah, fantastic album. Where he wrote about characters that he met right. while he was in the mental institution. Right, right. And Great album cover, too. Yeah, great album cover and uh, great songs and great theatrics back in the show as Alice recovered and was able to start touring and, and, and he again. took the he took the negativity in his life and brought it onto the stage in a sense of, of you know you had these dancing bottles of booze yep okay yeah da dancing bottle of tequila dancing yeah. bottle of vodka it was hilarious okay and uh if you saw Alice though in those days he wasn't looking too good right he was no very he was skinny. looking kind of hollow gone uh, yeah. in the cheeks yeah. and stuff you know so 
you talked about his first thing called that rehab. It wasn't rehab. It was more like yeah, a mental hospital. Yeah, we were just hospital. talking, we were about, talking that. about that. talking about that. Yeah. And uh, from the inside, definitely in my probably top top four or five of his solo albums. You know, yeah. That's an amazing and, album. And you know who made him get fucked up again? He took a sip out of his wife's wine, glass of wine mm-hmm. and started drinking again to the point that he got sick again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he would admit... We didn't know this early on. It, it came out probably in the last 10, 15 years, really, is that he would replace his alcohol addiction with a cocaine addiction. Okay? And if you see him in the early 80s, he is beyond skinny. Yeah. You know, and just jumpy. And when you see him talking, it's like, yeah, there's something wrong with him. Um, another two albums that I like, I, I kind of put these two together because they're about a year apart, is 1980s Flush the Fashion and 81 Special Forces. Okay, Alice has no recollection of making these albums. Okay, that's how fucked up he was. Okay, he, he really he says he doesn't remember. And but the flush the fashion was kind of like the Alice Cooper new wave album. Okay, it had keyboards on it, but it, it, it I think it's a solid album. I mean, yeah. there's a track on there called Pain. Okay, yeah. and there's a track called Clones. That was the single Clones, on there. Yeah. We're we are all clones. Um, Special Forces is kind of like similar kind of album. Uh, he had like a band at that point that he was touring with. I don't even remember who was in it. Was yeah, I, he was starting to switch up musicians yeah. almost yeah. like every album. They, they, he, he was wearing. He was wearing. He was all fucking. Yeah. He was yeah. wearing like military power, you know, paraphernalia clothes, oh, yeah. beret, and everything like but that. But still with makeup. With the too, makeup, with and like, he was really skinny and really yeah. scary looking. Yeah. Um, he was definitely scary looking guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you see what recently came out? Like him and his wife's got some kind of death pack. That was that? in the news this week that they um, they they said that they have a death pact. Uh, he's he well, I should mention his wife. Okay, uh, Cynthia, right? What's his wife's name? Cynthia, isn't it? Is that correct? I can't remember. Oh, no, 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 well, I'm whatever. Trouble remembering myself. I can't remember now either. Yeah, so, all apologies to Mrs. Cooper. Where yes, you if, you, if you're listening, Cheryl, 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 Cheryl. I'm sorry, <laughs> Cheryl Cooper. Now he met her because she Bloody was. Bloody Marys are t- starting yes, to take effect. Yes, yes. In honor of Alice's uh, older days, we're drinking. We're in the drinking morning, blood. We're drinking morning. Yeah. Yep, yep. But not throwing up blood. Not, right. Not yet. Right. We're not That's there. That's a big yet. difference. We're yet. not there yet. Um, but he would meet Cheryl, who was a dancer in the Welcome to Nightmare tour. Okay, she was like 18, 19 years old, and they hit it off. They would be married in, I think, 76 or 75. You know what's interesting about and that? And they're, they're still together. She was also, her dad was a preacher, too. Yes, that was and, the connection. They and had. then the one, they, the one that, um, he, they, they got married by their parents. Yeah, that's right, they did. Their they, beautiful they, ceremony, they, yep, was, and it yep. was um, the parents, they got married by the parents, all the parents and, are there. And, and they, 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 they say to this day, you know, we're still together, we, we never cheated on each other, there was, the relationship's always been solid. And if he did cheat, he wouldn't remember, especially when he did two <laughs> hours, Probably. he didn't fucking remember. If, if, well, if, if you don't remember, it didn't happen, right? <laughs> If you don't remember, it doesn't count, right? Oh boy. I don't. I do not endorse this message. Right? Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you ever got so drunk that you wake up next to somebody you're like, "What the fuck did I do?" Oh god! <laughs> yeah, that's some serious lumped up. That yeah. happened all the time to me. Some people have. Well, when you look in the mirror, you're like, "Who's this guy?" No, I'm not even, I don't even think it's me. Sometimes when I look in the mirror, I think it's somebody else looking at me. There was one time I fucking ran out of the bathroom. I look wow. like I look like fuck. 
What is this snake that broke into my house? Ah! <laughs> oh, man. A couple more sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, solo albums would be uh, Eyes of Atlas Cooper, which came out in 2003. Uh, that was a back to like a rock and roll kind of thing. Uh, in the 80s, he, he had dropped off the map a little bit and he came back with like Constrictor, Raise Your Fist and Yell. Uh, he had Kane Roberts, that big muscle guy on guitar. You know, the MTV generation was yep. jumping on that. The music was okay. You know, it was, it was, it was kind of uh, in a metal vein. Yeah. Uh, Poison would be a big hit off the Trash album, and that was like 1989, 1990. Yep, yep. That would still be a big hit. I know you're not a fan of that. That's always <laughs> when that's always when Keith goes to the bathroom. I know, the show. I know, during the concert. <laughs> Most the fans break. love it. Uh, I'll, I'll I, power I, to them. And I, I don't like the album Trash <laughs> that much, but but I do like the song Poison. I do like that. Um, Dirty Diamonds would be another album that uh, would come out in the mid 2000s. That was great. Yeah. Um, Brutal Planet is my I think first Brutal Planet. Planet. He got like 27 yeah. albums, right? Yeah. Total? yeah. I mean, he kept going. I mean, not, the albums didn't always sell so well, but... He could always put them out. The he live based shows on who did he great. Is. He did great with touring and merchandising, and, you know, people still love him. The name's still iconic, so, no. you know, he was able to keep what, it going. What, one uh, record I got to point out that was a big influence on me and you was, was the, the box set, Life and Crimes, of Alice Cooper. Oh, yeah. Okay, that came out in 99. And I remember buying this at Tower and listening to it, being blown away and immediately coming over your place and playing it for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And you were blown away because there was a lot of shit that we had never heard yeah. before. Yeah. And, uh, we, you know, me and you were, were Alice fans, but we were more like a greatest hits sure. kind of thing, yeah. you know, maybe yeah. a little bit deeper, an album or two. But we weren't like huge Cooper fans. We didn't take that plunge until that box set came out and both of us were like both of us were like you know where the fuck have we been all these years you know what's the one thing I I miss and it's because of the whole community do you remember buying an album at midnight? They would have those yeah. midnight sales in Tower oh, Records. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, and you sure, were lying, sure. you were getting lying like about nine line. o'clock, and yeah, you would yeah. try to be the yeah. first or second first person. One to get it. Mm-hmm. And um, and there was like, even you ever had the news there? I remember I, I did this a few times for a few albums. Mm-hmm. When um, Guns N' Roses did it, that there was like the news and everything because yeah. they come out. Yeah. And yeah, I remember sure. I got it on. I got both. I got both albums. On on um, CD, usually one Illusion or two. When they came out. They were yeah. a bag of shit. Oh, yeah. Those albums suck. <laughs> Both albums Very suck. Those albums suck. <laughs> I was like, motherfucker. Slash is a big Cooper fan. I'll give him that. Yeah. 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 Give him that. And I fucking, yeah, because that's why I think he wears that big the hat, right? Because of Cooper. It's like a tribute to Cooper because he got that I, I never, weird I, I never, top hat. I never, I never thought that, but it could be. Yeah. It, it could was be. like more like a, a Mark Bolin or something. Yeah. Yeah. It also helps hide his eyes so you can't see how fucked up on junk he oh, was yeah. in those days. Because he got the hair cover. Even, even the hair cover. Yes. Okay. <laughs> We're cursing. We're cursed. It'd be weird if we didn't. Okay. Yeah. Oh, to make we sure always curse. I curse all yeah. the fucking time. You don't want to offend all our thousands of fans out there. So. This show is unfiltered, Keith. Don't worry. Okay. Oh, nobody listen to fucking us because because nobody, nobody listen to us because we're polite. We shit on everything. <laughs> they like it when we shit on things. Okay. Well, I'm just a guest here, so you know. yeah. Um, Cream magazine. I got to mention. Okay. Uh, that was my you know, rock and roll monthly Bible that I had to buy every month. All right. And, and constantly growing up, you would see Alice in cream magazine. And, uh, 
I blame Alice for starting me drinking. <laughs> All right, because every every yeah. week, every month, you come out new Alice pictures of him with Budweisers in his Always hand. holding beers. Okay, Always. you never you never saw Alice Cooper in Cream magazine. I brought that book. Yeah, to look at it. Uh, it's a reprint of all the, the Cream articles, and uh, Alice always had either a cream, uh, either a Budweiser, or a Boy Howdy, which mm-hmm. was the Cream beer yeah, that yeah. they always had. Occasionally a Michelob. A Michelob, yep, yep, yep. And Michelob's to a Budweiser product. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It was. It was. He must have been getting. Can you still buy Michelob? Somebody was asking me. Yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I got Michelob Ultras here. Oh, and no, 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 regular, regular Michelob. They got regular Michelob. You can Michelob. buy it, but yeah. I don't see it in the bar. It's Michelob Amber. We had Michelob Amber here not too long ago. Yeah? Yeah. We just replaced it. I always liked Michelob. The Michelob was a good beer. Yeah, it was a good yeah. beer. Alice thought so, too. Definitely, so. definitely. Shout uh, out to Michelob for Alice. Okay, so me and you have been to a lot of Cooper shows together. Probably about a dozen. Almost. I would think so, 10 yeah. to 12, I would say. I would say. say. And, uh... The one that'll always stand out, I'm going to tell the story, okay? Um, it was right after the box set came out. Yeah, uh, I think that was the first show the, yeah, we saw one after of the that. Fir- one yeah. of the first shows, and Cooper was playing the old Trump Marina Casino in Atlantic City, and uh, which is not there anymore. And uh, I decided I was going to dress up like Cooper. Okay, now my hair was, <laughs> was, was, was long in those days, like it is now, but it's not dreadlocked. And I did the makeup. I did the makeup, and I wore a top hat and a, and a you know leather jacket and Cooper shirt and everything. And it was me and you driving down to Atlantic yep. City. Yep. And I was in full makeup driving down, hitting the toll booth, scaring everybody. Yeah. I think it was Halloween time. I think it was. <laughs> it was right around that time because yeah. I remember it was cool, very cool. And out. one thing I, I decided to do is I went to the store and I bought a big plastic toy sword. Okay, and I bought a baby doll, a little baby, and I put Cooper makeup on the eyes, and I put blood on the baby, fake blood from the Halloween store, and I stuck the, I took a knife and I cut the doll open and I stuck the sword through the hole. Okay, so now I have a dead baby impaled <laughs> on, a, on a big plastic sword. Okay, that's a tribute to the to as the a song. tribute to the yeah. song. Okay, dead baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I remember, I remember this vividly, is, is walking, you know, there was a lot of Cooper fans, and of course people show up in makeup, I wasn't the only one, there were plenty. And there's, when you came into the, the casino area, and the casino was like roped off in a big room, and then you had the, the actual room where the show was going to be off to the side. So it wasn't in the casino, it was kind of like next to it, in the casino area. So coming up the, the escalator, Everybody saw me and they started cheering. Yep. It was like all these people were online. They were cheering, and I raised the sword with the baby on. Yeah. And they were like, "Ah!" Like he was a conquering hero. Yeah, it was. It was, <laughs> it was, it was right? Now this is a good probably hour and a half before the show starts. Okay, so I was ready to do some slot machines and gamble a little bit and hang out, right? So <laughs> I'm in the casino. I think you were, you were doing something. You were getting something I was doing to eat some, or something. Uh, yeah, I was, get, I was on the slots, and I think you went over to the blackjack I, I table. Think I, yeah, I was yeah. at the blackjack table. But <laughs> what the, the, the story really starts when I went over to the slot machines, okay? And I, I'm sitting there with all these old old ladies playing slots. Blue-haired ladies. With, yeah. with all the blue-haired old ladies in my Cooper outfit with the dead baby on the sword sitting next to me while I'm playing <laughs> slots. <right? laughs> I'm, I'm 
playing the machine, boom, boom, you know, hitting the handle, bringing it down, minding my own business, right? Got the big top hat on. All of a sudden, somebody taps me on the shoulder. I turn around, it's a fucking security guard, right? <laughs> and he's like, sir, uh, can I have a word with you? And I'm like, all right. And he pulls me over to the side. He's like, you're going to have to leave the casino floor, <laughs> right? And I'm like... Why? What do they do? I'm just playing slots, right? He goes, oh, well, you know, you, the, the, the baby on the sword in your outfit, you're disturbing the, the people. You're scaring He's the people. disturbing the people. <laughs> <laughs> so I got, I got thrown out of Trump's casino, right? And had to go wait, had to go wait. Yeah, I was fired before he ever had that show. And, and I had to go sit, like, with everybody else online. And I was just like, yeah, I just got thrown out, you know? <laughs> it was awesome. That was awesome. So that's it. That's it. That's, you know. But Cooper's still playing today. Uh, he's around. He comes around once a year. We saw him last year uh, in New Jersey, and that was a great show. He had a new album out called Paranormal. And yeah. he, there was a couple of tracks with the original band. Glenn Buxton, sadly, had passed away in, back in the, uh, in the late 90s, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but uh, you had um, Michael Bruce and Dennis Dunaway and Neil Smith on a couple of tracks on that Paranormal album. It was the first time they recorded anything in, since the 70s. Wow. So it was cool. But uh, that's all I got, man. That's the Cooper Show. All right. So um, what shows are playing this week? Okay. Um, what we got coming up on Saturday the 19th is the Mystic Show at Madison Square Garden. Now we're I'll going. Probably get, yeah, we're, probably going to get tickets on Thursday. Awesome. The Budweiser yeah. rates it. We're awesome. definitely on. Definitely we're going to be up the on ticket. the Chase Bridge, right? Yes. Okay, cool, wow. cool. Awesome. So that's good. Now the Damned and Rancid are, are opening up that night too. So that should be oh, halfway. That's a great show. Yeah. Uh, also, if you don't want to spend three hundred dollars on a ticket, you can go see Bobby Steele in the Undead. Uh, they're playing down in D.C. Something called the Snubbed Fest. Okay, in Washington, they're playing with a band called the Independence and a couple other bands. The Independence used to be managed by Joey Ramone. Okay. Uh, they've been around for twenty something yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, I think I know. The he man. was a big fan. He managed them for a while. Uh, go to Pie Shop DC if you're interested in, in that show. Um, also, the Undead are playing Blackthorn 51 in Elmhurst, Queens, on the 25th of this month, and that's Damn. a great place to see Elmhurst, them. Queens. Holy you want to go to that show? How the hell do I get it, to Elmhurst, Queens? <laughs> the R train right the there. Train? Maybe I'll pick you up. There's a diner right next to yeah. it. We can get something to eat and everything. Okay, we'll check them out. Um, album of the week. It's the album of the week. Album of the week. I'm thinking of it right now. And I'm going to have to say Billion Dollar Babies. All right. What do you think? Yeah. If you had to pick one, what would you pick? Oh, wow. Just as a Cooper album? Yeah. Or as a Solo or, or original. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Yeah. One's a sad. My you favorite know, I, 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 I always go with uh, Killer. 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 Yeah. 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 I just think it encompasses everything that were, was going on with them. And... And it traumatized you as a kid. I always remember that, that poster of Cooper hanging. It scared the yeah. plane out of me as a kid. You know? Your sister playing killers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Me, one of my favorite songs is No More Mr. Nice Guy. That's I, all I, I, I love that song. Yeah. Love yeah. that song. Great song. It shows up on a lot of sound. On the Days and Confused soundtrack yeah. is on there. Yeah. You know? Great scene in the movie, yeah, too, when they're using that. What's the song of the week? Song of the week. Wow. You know, it's impossible to pick your all-time favorite Cooper song, so I'm not going to base it on that. I, I'd I'm say gonna, my song is No More Mr. Nice, no more Mr. Guy, nice guy, guy I'm going to pick 
dead babies. No, <laughs> I love the dead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I love the dead, the dead before they rise. Mm-hmm. You know the whole thing. That yeah. That's when he had the snake, and the snake was going all around him and crawling up his head and everything, and it's, it's creepy. Fucking great shit. Scared the man. shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> you know. So. Me, me, my, my one that stands out, and this is the I first heard this on the box set in the late nineties. Yeah. Is caught in a dream. Caught in a dream. From love it, love it to, to death. death. Yeah. And I still absolutely adore. It's oh, a yeah. Great rock song. Also, also on that album, uh, a song that stand out for me all the time is "Long Way to Go." Yeah, long way to go. And and a couple years ago, C.J. Ramone covered that on his solo album. Wow, and he did a great. And I saw him do it live. It was was great. It's awesome. Yeah, you know. So that's all we got for you guys. Yeah. Keith, thank you for being on the show. Hopefully you'll be a guest soon again. My pleasure. It was an honor, guys. Definitely. Thank Mike, you. where can we find you? Okay, you can find me on Instagram, RockerMike212. That's RockerMike212. Twitter, I'm uh, RockerMike3. And I'm also on Facebook under my Christian name, Michael Baker. And uh, I'm mostly on Facebook, so... You know, yeah, as long as I'm not in jail. You uh, do a good job on Twitter. <laughs> you got to yeah. do more um, you gotta start do more to, on Twitter. Um, a hashtag and a lot more thing like a hashtag. Do a lot more hashtag with Instagram with, and stuff, too. and even with um with, with Twitter too. Like yeah. you get a lot more followers like that. It's 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 hard sometimes to just you know constantly be on top of that. But I've been using the social you, media. But you use it a lot because I see yeah. you on Twitter all the time. Yeah, because right? I'm on the I put all the shows on there. Like I I, yeah. I Twitter the show all the time when I get a chance. Yeah, all right. So I guess that's it, folks. Where can we find you, Rob? Oh, you can find me any local saloon, either bartending <laughs> or getting fucked up in New York City, <laughs> especially in the East Village. That's what we all do. But I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, Snapchat, um, fucking um, Twitter, everywhere you can find me. Or either uh, just look up Lumped Up yeah. or Getting Lumped Up. Get out on Snapchat. I'm on Snapchat. Oh, yeah. yeah, you put those funny I put those cat faces on, on yourself. No, no, no cat faces. <laughs> I like to go. I like to go. I like to go full blown China man. Okay. <laughs> by, by midnight, you usually by are. midnight. I am. <laughs> or after I smoke a nice fatty. <laughs> smoke a nice fatty. They, I'm All like, right. holy shit! What the fuck yeah. happened? Yeah. So remember, like always, don't, don't get, get drunk, drunk, get, get lumped up. up.